Jazz. Jam. Can we talk about something really quick? I know I'm a hot one. I'm just going to This is episode three of Talking Over Each Other. It is Mental Health Month, and this is our mental health episode. Cool beans. So, um, I feel like I should start by saying I have one mood disorder, four anxiety disorders. Do I have anything else? I think that's it. Ah, five things, that's it. So I have bipolar disorder, general anxiety, social anxiety, PTSD, and an eating disorder. Noise. Rack them um, up, rack them up. <laughs> I have a severe depression, general anxiety that is usually masked by my antidepressants. Um, I've experienced disordered eating in the past, but I have never had an eating disorder. And I struggle present with uh self-harm yeah struggle present oh and suicidal ideation and being just being suicidal yeah I think that's it for me (laughs) yeah it's a fun it's a fun collection of mental illnesses it's nothing like one roof we only have like what 900 square feet and like there's just so much going on in this house (laughs) (laughs) um okay so I feel like I could talk about mental illness just as a general topic forever, obviously, because it's something I'm super passionate about, but... And well-versed in. And obviously well-versed in. I've got, I've got a laundry list of things I could talk about. I wanted to focus on some topics that people asked us to bring up, so... Yeah, just like talking points, um... So let's start with medication. 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 So medication is probably one of my favorite things to talk about. Because we learned this lesson really early on in life. Um, so our family has has a very long list of um, experience with mental illness. And when we were honestly like early to late teenagehood, um, we were kind of we were told about um, why we ought not to have a stigma towards men- um, towards medication for ourselves. Because our aunt is a pharmaceutical drug rep. Yeah, and um, a lot of the drugs that she um, is responsible... <laughs> she peddles. ...that she pushes <laughs> are um, for schizophrenia and um, mood stabilizers and stuff like that. So it was like the thing that we heard pretty young before... Uh, we had an awareness of mental illness for ourselves was if you had high blood pressure and you needed medication to regulate that, wouldn't you take that every day? And it's like, yes, true. And the best, the best thing that I say to people all the time is everybody's number one thing is I don't want to be dependent on medication. Everybody's dependent on a medication if they have an illness. If you have high blood pressure, you will be dependent on a medication to keep your blood pressure down so you don't die. your body's not able to do it for itself. Like, truly, the best mental health about medication meme in the world is the one from Barefoot Contessa, where it's like, and if you can't make your own serotonin, store-bought is fine. Like, I I can't make it on my own. What am I supposed to do? Die? I don't want to, by some miracle, because I have serotonin re up. Uh, selective serotonin reuptake, reuptake inhibitors. inhibitors. Ew. 
So, I mean, we were raised in an environment that was very much supportive of people taking medication. And as we got older, it was encouraged that you explore medication. Not yeah. that you needed to be on meds. But that you, val- you, you weight that option as heavily as you would any other one. Um, especially because uh, Jam's experienced a lot of misdiagnosis for mental illness in the past. So... Yeah, so I got diagnosed with um, moderate depression, moderate, mild to moderate depression, when I was like twenty mm-hmm. or twenty one. Twenty one, and I was on SSRIs, antidepressants, for like three years, and it was worse. And when I say it was worse, I mean it was so much worse. Um, How much worse? So much worse. And the funny thing is, is. I found out after the fact that if you are bipolar 2, which is what I am, being on SSRIs makes your depression significantly worse, which is just fucking hilarious. I, I feel like it's a karmic slap in the face. It's like, hey, you want to get better? No, no, no. Right in the face. Well, that's just like any antidepressant being like, most common side effects are depression. I'm like, well, <laughs> will I even notice? You won't notice. <laughs> Except you do notice. You do notice. <clears throat> you totally notice. But here's my thing about medication. Um, if you are serious about getting better, I don't see why considering medication is a bad idea. If medication doesn't work for you because you've had bad experiences or your body just doesn't react very well to certain meds, then fine. Like, you don't need to take them. But why not try in the first place? Like, don't rule meds out just because you don't want to be dependent on them. Don't rule them out because you have a stigma around them. Just something I'd also really like to add there is that dependency is... um obviously part of the medication stigma, but it's, it has to do with um, addiction stigmas as well. Um, dependency is what we put on addicts, and um, it's considered a bad thing because addicts are considered bad. Um, and the really nice thing right now is that there is a huge push, at least within the Canadian government and kind of like the the um, the mindset around addiction, is that it's, it's moving from uh, the criminal mindset and moving towards mental illness so recognizing that it needs to be treated as a mental illness rather than a criminalization type of thing not in terms of prosecution but in terms of how you seek help um, and how the government treats you so I think the language around dependency you need to be very careful with why you're considering it a bad thing um, if your body is dependent on something in order to survive, diabetics are dependent on insulin. Thank you. We are all dependent on, I'm dependent on water to stay like, alive. Literally dependency is not inherently a bad thing. And obviously, yes, big pharma, blah, blah, blah. It's totally like a thing that we should be wary of. But at the same time, if being on meds allows me to hopefully, you know, find some way to enjoy my life then I'm going to be dependent on meds like that dependency is keeping me alive and it's allowing me the chance to be happy and I think that that's a really important dependency that I encourage um that's because meds have worked really well for me in the past um and by in the past I mean only in the last three years because I've also had bad experiences with meds and as have I like it just if you try them, you're going to have a bad experience, but you also could have a good experience. And that's why, again, it's like, 
Meds well, are never supposed to be taken on their own. Exactly. Meds are never supposed to be taken as the only part of your treatment plan. And one really important thing to to note is that it's not always going to work on the first try. Most likely it will not work on the first try. How many did you go through before you found meds that worked for you? Well, I had to get you diagnosed. You were on the wrong meds. I was on the wrong sure. meds because I was misdiagnosed. Um, but... Even that, your anxiety meds. Yeah, my anxiety meds. I had to try three before I got to the one that worked for me. And then once you found the right one, you had to mess with the dosage. Exactly. Like all of these things, you're not going to hit it on the mark the first time. If you do, you are a... Unicorn. Unicorn. Something that ties in with the whole meds conversation is the recovery process and how long it takes and what your life is going to look like and how hard it can be. Yeah, what to expect. Excuse me. Um, Particularly, your life is going to change. Because, I mean, think about it this way. You were depressed or you were in a bad state and now you're trying to get out of that state. Therefore, things that were happening while you were in that state are going to have to change. Are going to have to change. You're going to lose friends. You're not going to find joy in the same things. You're going to have to start cleaning your room. You're going to have to start eating better. You're going to have to take a bath. You may have to change jobs. You may have to change the way that you dress. You may have to... There's there's so many small and big things that need to change. I change the way that I exercise. Yeah. I change the way that I dress. I change the way that I do my makeup. All these things because I changed the things that I ate. Yours, for for sure, not even just in the context of an eating disorder, but you... And taking care of yourself. Taking care of your body is, like, obviously super different for everybody, but it's, like, there are so many intricate things that play into your mental illness, no matter what it is, that you have to expect that things are going to change. Especially the... I think the relationships aspect is one that people are pretty fearful of, um... When you're sick, your relationships are formed in a sick way. Not saying that all your relationships are toxic or anything like no. that, but I mean... They're formed for or maintained for sick reasons. But the parts of your personality that are out are the parts of you that's mentally... Or like that's sick and that are having a hard time. That's when you're the most ill. Therefore, when you're trying to get better, you might not be able to stay friends with those people or stay in certain relationships with those people that you made or maintained when you were at your worst, quote-unquote. Yeah. Um, And that's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with the fact that you might have to lose some friends. It fucking sucks. Absolutely, and it's really difficult, and it's, like, usually an ongoing thing, too, where it's not even just, like, one day I decide that I want to be in recovery, and uh, I'm dropping all my friends. No, it's, like, five years down the road, you could be, like, you could have not even known that person when you were sick, but now it's just, like, being around these people isn't going to help me maintain what I'm trying to achieve here. Like, say you're bipolar and, like, you're bipolar one, so you have manic phases. Um, Imagine the friends you made when you're manic. Like, say you made a friend specifically when you were going through a manic episode. Yeah. That Like, that friendship is going to be based off of things that aren't you when you're in recovery or aren't you... For the total of you, not just your manic phase. It's like there are certain things that appealed to your manic phase about that person or the circumstances in which you met them that may not be where you want to end up. Or stay. Or stay. 
So it's just, especially if you have, just say, um, manic phases that last weeks, months, that's something that once you kind of come out of it, then you're like, okay, well, I... You don't always stand by the choices that you made in your manic phase. Why would you necessarily stand by the relationships you formed when you were in it? A bar. Not, Not to, like, shit on the friends you make in your manic phases or in, like, your depressive episodes, whatever. But I'm just saying, like... Open your mind to the possibility that, unfortunately, you might have formed some bad relationships or you might have formed relationships that you don't want to hold on to for a number of reasons while you're trying to get better. Mm-hmm. And and that's okay. And yeah. you have to put yourself first in that situation. It mm-hmm. sucks, but you really do have to put your, re- your recovery above everything else. Especially if we're talking about what recovery looks like and will continue to look like. It's like... It, it's so ongoing and it is so lifelong that it feels kind of catastrophic at some point. Just so like it just feels too big to wrap your head around. So you're like, well, I don't want to cut off this friend because what if five years down the road I want to be friends with them again or I want to be participating in these things again. It's like you have to continually choose recovery every single day, every minute of that day. That it's like all of those things, it, it's recovery is small scale and big picture at the same time. So as you continue to reassess what's good for you and what's bad for you and where you want to be, um, every single thing, whether you realize it or not, is playing into that. At least that's been our experience. Yeah, and the experience that I've heard from other people. All that being said, um, staying positive through a mental illness or through your recovery or anything like that is really fucking difficult. Yeah, but also... Who would have thunk that you and I would become technically like posy bitches? Mm-hmm. Because, so I think it was beginning of 20, 2017, Jim and I are like, okay, so obviously we're having a hard time. Recovery is super important. This is something that we want to do. The only way that we're going to get there is if we like intend to be there. Yeah. Like not even like a wish it and achieve it kind of thing. It's no. just like you have to be so intentional. Direct your actions thing. towards it. Exactly. And where you're putting your energy is where you're going to like truly what you reap, what uh, you reap, what you sow. So wherever I'm putting my energy and, and whatever I'm intending, that's where I want to be. So we ended up just accidentally kind of falling into forcing positive mindsets by mm-hmm. being like, I am being intentional with who I'm spending my time with. I'm going out of my way to see these people because they're good for me. I'm good for them. And we're nurturing this relationship. And I make sure that I go to the grocery store. And I make sure that I go to the gym and I'm making sure that I have open communication about the things that are good for me when I'm feeling bad and, and bad for me when I'm feeling good. And making note of really small victories. Yes. I feel like that's been the one super that's positive a huge thing. turning point for us. Yeah. That's one, that's been the one super positive silver lining in all of this is that I make the time for the smallest little victories. And I'm just like, wow, Jam, like you were alive to see that. You were cognizant to be aware of how great this is for you. Like way to go, A plus. You made lunch for yourself today and it tasted great. That's fucking awesome. Like way to go. Like every time we go to the grocery store and we buy things that aren't like processed cereals, we take pictures and like sometimes we send them to our mom just to be like, oh my gosh, we're adults. But we only took the picture because we're standing there in line celebrating how big of a deal it is because it's so, it's like, it's a thing that we get to feel proud of. We're like, we're doing this for ourselves and we're going out of our way to do this thing and we're cooking at home and um, you get to just, 
when you are thinking back on the things that you've done for yourself, those little things tend to compound. Then you're like, wow, I actually do cook for myself. And I do enjoy, you know, sitting out in the sun. Like, going to the park the other day. Like, all those little things, we we take so much time to just dwell in it. And you know what I found is taking note of the small, awesome things in your life makes when the big clouds come back a little less awful. Because those, like... The fog of depression rolls in real swift, (laughs) and all of a sudden, you can't see, not to, like, continue with the metaphor, but, like, you can't see the trees through the fog. Yeah. Like, you can't see what's going on. Yeah. Or what was good in your life. But sometimes you can remember those small things. It's like, you know what? Actually, I'm not a shit person. My life isn't, like, the world's worst because... Last week I made lunch for myself and I felt really fucking good about that. And you know what? Maybe in two weeks I'll feel good about it again. And maybe in two weeks I'll make myself lunch again. It gives you something to look forward to and like a lot of times. And be proud of. And be proud of, yeah. And it's like getting through the day is sometimes really fucking difficult. But knowing that like sometimes you make lunch for yourself and it feels really good. It's like, okay, well, you know what? Fuck, I can't do that today and I have to eat three junior chickens in one weekend because that's all I'm capable of doing. Is that what we did this weekend? Yeah, that's what I did this weekend. (laughs) But it's like, but last weekend, you know, like I ate this home cooked meal and I like didn't buy coffee. I made it for myself at home and I like just sat on the couch and did those are the did we do those things last weekend? No, but I know I've done past weekends and I take the time to celebrate them so that I also just don't let myself feel guilty for the the times that I can't I can't do it. Mm-hmm. So on the topic of recovery and all that good stuff, um, the biggest my like my biggest turning point for my recovery was like a you have to do it yourself mentality um, given to you by um, whomst. Helped Some you there? <laughs> not humble at all, bitch who's sitting beside me, my lovely sister. Um, no, so Jam honestly helped give me a turning point. Um, and last year I was like at, I think, my second worst time in my life um, as far as my depression goes. And uh, I had just had really bad experiences um, with mental health professionals and just health professionals in general, and I was feeling, like, so incredibly discouraged. I didn't feel like my meds were working, all this stuff. There was just a lot of factors that were contributing to um, my really bad episode. There were a lot of contributing factors that were making my episode as bad as it was, and eventually I ended up having to take a few days off of work um, because I had a breakdown, and... (laughs) And um, once we got home, uh, Jam literally, like... You were really suicidal. I was. I was very suicidal. Um, I had relapsed with my self-harm, and I was, like, sitting on the couch, and I was just like, I don't know what's going to get me out of this. And Jam's like, oh, nothing. Nothing's going to get you out of it. You have to get out of it. And I was like... Like, at the time, <laughs> bitch. I was like, bitch, uh, the whole point of, like, mental illness is not just, like, you have to snap yourself out of it, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I was, like, kind of resistant. And Jim's like, no, at the end of the day, like, you're looking for a quick fix and for something that's going to make you better. And I'm sorry, you're not going to get better as, like, a whole 
It's not going to be a switch that's flipped and now you're not, you're no longer mentally ill and you no longer s struggle with depression. Like you're going to struggle with this for the rest of your life. Um, but the only way to like make the days pretty okay is if you do it your damn self. You have to find things that are working for you and go with those and find the things that are not and cut them the fuck out because you're not going to survive like this. And I kind of just sat on it for a minute because I was still really sad and I still just, you know, had a really bad day. <laughs> it was, yeah, I was resistant. But then I kind of just started thinking about it and I was like, Jam, there's just so many things that I'm doing right now that are my sick behavior. And Jam's like, yeah, you have to stop them. Like, you're going to have to find new behaviors. And I was like, that sounds really simple. Yeah, I was like, oh. Like, you're simplifying a really complicated thing. Yeah. Um, and then I realized it's actually exactly that simple at least for me like take keep in mind that this is just my experience and um I basically only struggle with depression and suicidal ideation like I don't have other factors against me so for me it was truly just like there are so many things fueling my depression um if nothing's gonna cure it at least I can take away those little sparks that are making it so much worse and that was jam simple concept it was just like um, it was like, you like exercising, right? And I was like, yeah. And he <laughs> was like, okay, uh, how often do you exercise? I'm like, like never. <laughs> like, okay, start exercising again. Um, you should probably, how much water do you drink in a day? And I'm like, mm. a sip with like, my pills. Uh, literally a sip with my pills. And I was like, there's water in pop, right? <laughs> and James like, you bitch. Drink eight glasses of water a day. And honestly, like, it seems so stupid, but there were a lot of things that you do that make you feel worse without really realizing it, especially if you've had... Depression. Fuck, um, I'm so sorry. It's only embarrassing because I've actually been doing that a lot recently. Okay, I take it back. <laughs> and I was already feeling so self-conscious. Fuck. I'm so sorry. And I don't know why I've been stuttering. This is why you have to tell me everything. Otherwise, I will <laughs> laugh at you. So I was just like, oh, fuck. I stumbled on that word, power through it, because that's how I've been doing it in the past. And then you just burst out laughing. What was my train of thought? I don't know. If you've had a specific mental illness like depression for a long time, you get very accustomed to what that behavior looks like and it just feels very natural. So it's not really something that you can just be like, oh, it's this and it's that and it's the other thing. Like it, I didn't know that it was just, you know, depression and water and five other things on a list. I didn't know what it was because I'd been sitting and like dwelling in these behaviors for the last six, seven years. So... All of a sudden, once Jam was like, you have to change your behaviors. I was like, okay, now I have to start cataloging my behaviors. So, like, what are the things that after or during or whatever I feel like I'm doing myself a service? Not necessarily making myself better, but just, like, serving myself. And then what are the things that I'm doing that are not making me feel that way? And it's not like you have to cut everything out cold turkey. It's just, like... Like we were saying before. Being a little bit more mindful. Just focusing your energies on the things that are good. And yeah, just just 
really taking stock of what's helping you. And and I think the point of the whole you have to help yourself talk that I gave you was the context is you had just gone to <clears throat> you had just gone to CAMH, which is the center for addiction, addiction and mental health in Toronto. It's like the big mental health hospital in Canada. And when I had gone there, I got diagnosed properly with uh, bipolar 2 and PTSD and I got put on meds and I saw therapists and it changed my life and so you were expecting to go have something happen have it change your life and no longer be suicidal and no longer be so severely depressed but I think what you forgot in that moment was that even though I was happy to get my diagnosis I still went through hell you still had to put in the work you still I put in the fucking work go to your therapist and drudge up all this shit again and go through absolutely everything and re I had to start yourself. new meds after I had just had such bad experiences with SSRIs yeah. and I was like great now I'm fucking bipolar like really I don't yeah. know how to take care of that all I know is depression yeah um and what I what I meant by that was Yes, treatment is really important, but at the end of the day, treatment is not a quick fix. It's not a quick fix, and it's also you doing the work. Literally, nobody else can fix you. Meds can help you, but nothing is going to fix you. But also, we were saying before, meds are never supposed to be um, taken on their own. Like, they're not supposed to exist in a vacuum, because at the end of the day, the meds are supposed to lift the fog so that you can do the work. Yeah, and the meds are a part of a treatment plan. Yes. So it's like you do the meds to help um, take away gigantic roadblocks. Mm-hmm. Then there's still the other roadblocks that you have to work your, your way through. But I was I remember I was told this when I was first put on meds when I was 19. It was just like, these aren't the thing that fixes you. They're the thing that helps you fix yourself. And I'm like, okay, but the main thing that's plaguing me right now is that they're I feel broken and I need just like Band-Aid. Yeah. And they're like a Band-Aid, but now I don't want to start talking about skin, but <laughs> it's just, um, it they, they truly are just a thing that... They're a tool. Yeah, they're a tool for recovery, but they're not recovery. And once I like fully, really heard in clear words, um, you're looking for a quick fix, but there isn't one. Like, it's not that you didn't find it, it's that it doesn't exist. So the search itself is futile, and you're... You're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. And, like, by some miracle, a small degree of me, or I guess a really big degree of me, like, really wanted to be alive and, like, wanted to find some way to find joy in my life, Um, which is a big deal. So it's like you really, like I really had to cling to that and be like, okay, I really don't have any energy. Depression makes you very exhausted, but I'm going to put all this energy and shit that I don't even know exists into changing my behaviors and making making choices. Um, a lot of my mental illness came with just kind of like... The lack of choice. The or lack not of choice. The lack just, of choice, the... The absence of choice. Yeah, just letting things kind of happen. It's like apathy in action. So it's just things, you just take them as they come and you let them pass on as they pass and and not actually choosing anything. But, like, I want to, like, I choose my choice. Like, I want to choose to go to the gym and I want to choose to spend a nice day outside and I want to 
be able to look back and be like, I did that because I wanted to, not because I found myself there. And like, it sucks so bad to get out of bed when you don't want to. And when everything in your body is screaming at you not to. Yeah. But like, it's important that you do. There was another, there was something that I read a few years ago that was like, um, it's like everybody says, oh, I don't want to half-ass it. Like, I'm only going to do it if it's good. It's like, no, half-ass everything. Fuck yeah. Like, the worst thing that you can do is like, get out of bed. It is not going to be your day. Then you go back to bed. But at least you fucking tried. Like, I've had so many days. In second and third year, I used to have um, like eight hour days in university. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I get no breaks. Like I hate all these classes. I don't want to be here whatever. And I'd usually only make it like the first two hours. I don't know what happened in those last few classes, but I like still went to the first few. Yep. You know what I mean? And like, that's better than me just being like, I call it a day before I even I'm not try. going to try at all. At least now, like at the end of the day, 50% on the test is still better than zero. So, like, just fucking show up. And you know what? Uh, another thing that I had said to you at one point that I think is so important is to not wait for fluke good days to happen, but to fucking make those days happen. Yeah. Like, get up, half-ass it if you need to, but you have to get out of bed and you have to do the thing. Otherwise, the good days aren't going to happen. You being, well, not like saying, like, get out of bed, but, like, you sitting in your depression doesn't make your depression go away. No. You have to put in the work. And the work fucking sucks. And it's terrible and it's miserable and it feels shitty. But like the only way to get out of it is by pulling yourself out of it. And not in a snap out of it way, but truly you have to drag yourself out of hell Yep. by your own damn fingernails mm-hmm. and eventually make it out. I think the worst thing about fluke days is that you know so clearly that they're flukes. And that you're but like, they don't have to be flukes. That's what I'm saying. Like, fluke day, fluke good days are fun while they last. And then at the end of the day, you're like, well, fuck. This is not going to happen again tomorrow because nothing that I did out of the ordinary made this day good. It mm-hmm. just happened. And now tomorrow I'm going to have a totally different mindset and it's going to fucking suck. Whereas if you choose to exactly. have good days, then you're like, well, hmm, when's the last time I did something that made me feel really good? We went bowling. That was so fun. Let's go bowling again. Even if you don't have a good experience, you still know that, like, you're legitimately putting yourself out there. Yeah, you're putting in the work. Which is half the battle. Which, uh, this kind of, like, loops back to a thing that you were mentioning before about your behaviors when you're depressed, is um, for a lot of us who have had mental illness their entire lives, um, like, Jazz, yours developed when you were, like, 19, 18, 19, yeah. your depression showed up, like, a very rude, uninvited guest. But mine decided to be born with me. Um, so I've had, like, really severe anxiety my entire life. Probably it's a big chunk from the childhood abuse that we experienced. But I feel like I was just an anxious person. Predisposed. I was predisposed to a lot of anxiety regardless. Um the really interesting thing is is trying to figure out what your personality is outside of your mental illness. I know for me that has been the hardest thing. Like, who the fuck am I outside of being anxious, being paranoid, mm-hmm. being stressed, being depressed? Do I have a personality? 
What am I like? Because I don't know. All the time, it just feels like I'm just reacting to all the bad things happening according to those things. So yeah. it's like you're reacting according to your anxiety. You're reacting according to your depression, according to your abuse. Like, <clears throat> excuse me. The only ways that you know how to act are within those confines. So it's like, then there's no personality that's developed outside of them. You're just a reactionary person. Yeah. And, um... That's a struggle. <laughs> it's it's hard. It's really difficult. I find, um, the only way that I've been able to figure out who I am outside of my mental illness is through the recovery process, through treatment, and... And the other way that I've been able to find out who I am outside of my mental illness is honestly by kind of not isolating myself, but removing myself from my behaviors, the areas in which I was sick. Like, I mean, like houses where I was mentally yeah. like, super, super sick, um, different like clothes, activities that I did, like mm-hmm. pulling myself out of those things and being like, okay, now what's left after I remove all these external things, what's going on with me on the inside. Um, And I feel like that's not something that we can walk you through. Like I think a lot of people would like to know coping mechanisms and how to pull yourself out and what to do, how to get there. I don't think anybody can really tell you that's going to like change the way that you do yours. Yeah. But it's, it's important that you start trying Mm -hmm. because the way that we started will be different than the way somebody else is going to start and how they're going to get through things and what that's going to look like for them. But I think it's really important that you at least take the time to be mindful about the fact that you're trying mm-hmm. and put those intentions out there. Like we said at the beginning, like you, it's, it's all about intentionality. Um, <clears throat> and making sure that you're, you're focused on on your recovery, yeah. I think, is probably the biggest thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we can talk about for days about how difficult mental illness is, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's like, well, I don't want to be mentally ill. Like, like I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't like it. At the end of the day, it doesn't make you feel good. No. It's nice to hear that other people are struggling because you feel that solidarity, but... You, sorry, you feel the what? Solidarity. 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 But um but, but it's also a, because mental illness is isolating. It's super isolating and it's really nice to just I'm not gonna say solidarity again. But it's important that you initiate the recovery process for yourself. And so like if there's anything in here that we've done that can push that for you then hell fucking yeah oh wait before we end we need to quickly talk about mental illness in the workplace Ooh, that one's a fucking hard one yeah this one's not gonna have a resolution no uh the consensus is it's fucking difficult and it really depends um sometimes it today jim asked me for advice on how to leave early and I said, I don't know, say this. And Jim's like, are you fucking crazy? I can't say that. And I, the whole time I was thinking, I was like, well, then don't ask me for advice. Like, I don't know what you're allowed to get away with. And Well, it's not about getting away with it. it yeah, but more... you don't know what's acceptable for yeah. your workplace. So it's like, 
if people are like, oh, hey, I don't know how to talk to my boss about X, it's like, it, it's not something that somebody can tell you how to do because at the end of the day, like, your relationship with your boss is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a boss before that um, went out of her way to make me feel, like, very, very chummy, and then there was one day where I was having a really, really hard time, and I could not go into work, and... You used that chummy relationship. Well, you you um, relied on the fact that she had built this trust with you. And, like, went out of her way to be like, I have a lot of family who, you know, experiences depression, I completely get it, blah, blah, blah. Like, made me feel really safe. She made me feel really safe, and when I leaned on that safety a little bit and was like, okay, this is a person that I can tell this to and I'm not going to lie and say that I'm sick. I'm going to tell the truth and say that I'm sick. Um, That ended up backfiring. And it made me, like, very wary of talking to, like, bosses or anybody about, like, what I'm going through because I thought that even if they listened to me and told me that they understand that it wasn't going to go anywhere and it wasn't ultimately going to happen. At the end of the day, it made them distrustful. It made her never trust me again um, as if I was uh, taking advantage of our chummy relationship so that she would let me get out of work. And it's like, so... But then you had a boss after, immediately after, who was the exact opposite. Who was the exact opposite. Who was like, I've been through X, Y, and Z. I've taken so many days off at this work because I literally, my anxiety was so bad that I could not be around other people and have anybody look at me. And I'm like, oh, shit. And so then it was like, um, when I was having a really hard time last year, it was very good timing that she was my boss because... I was just like, hey, I can't be at work. Most days you weren't in the office. Yeah, I didn't go into the office a lot because I was having such a hard time. And I ended up having actually a a safe place to land for work. My my experience has been pretty much in the middle of that. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't had any bosses who have been outwardly negative to me. And I haven't had any bosses who have been extraordinarily positive about it. Um, Right my most recent experience was I opened up to my manager about um, the fact that I, 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 I decided to get real honest too. I was like, listen, um, I got, I tried out some new anxiety meds because I've been having a really hard time. You know what I've been dealing with at work. I've been really stressed. So I tried some new meds and unfortunately those meds made me really sick. I got an ulcer and now blah, 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 blah. This is why I'm going to the doctors all the time. This is why I might not be in like the office as much. This is why I might be calling out sick. And she was really supportive in that. It's like, okay, I understand. Thanks for letting me know. Um, obviously it's not as crazy as like your boss previously where she was like, go home every day, (laughs) but it's still a really great compromise where it's like, hey, I actually do need you in the office, but as a human being, I'm understanding of what's going on with you and I'll make as many accommodations as possible. Yeah. But I think um, I think you have to like kind of suss out what your boss is like as a person. One really good way to test them is to talk about stress because everybody likes to talk about stress Instead of anxiety, Mm -hmm. they don't like the term anxiety, the average person, because it means mental illness. Stress is a-okay. So if you go like, oh, you know, like I've dealt with stress in the past and it's been really hard and yada, yada, yada. 
um, I've found that people will be more receptive and then that opens the door for your boss to then be like, oh, I've dealt with anxiety. And then you know you've got your in and you can start talking about your shit. Yeah. But if they go, yeah, you know, I dealt with stress one time, then you know that door is closed and that's not the place to talk to them about it and you're unfortunately probably going to have to make up excuses for why you need to leave. Yeah. Um, or not even, it's not even about like going home when you're... No, no, no. I mean like say say you need to go and see your psychiatrist at three o'clock every three weeks. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to say that you're doing something there's, else. There's other times where just like you end up having to lie. Like in the last few months at my old job, it was like I um, was getting extremely, extremely anxious at work because I was like literally in a hostile work environment. Um, and it wasn't something that I could talk to anybody about while I was there. Um, and also now that my boss distrusted me, I didn't really have any options. So I just started going for walks because it was the only way that I could feel like I wasn't like sitting there withering away. Um, sometimes I would like call my sister or my mom, not even about how I was feeling just to get my mind off of it. And I would just walk around the block for like 20 minutes. And that was something that I was never honest about. It was like, oh, hey, um, I just need to stretch my legs for a bit or I'm going to walk to Tim Hortons or something like that where it just gave me an excuse to be out of the building Mm -hmm. and then I could do what I wanted with my time. Sometimes my friend and I used to just walk up and down the stairs within our building um, just to not be sitting at our chairs having to look at our boss. Like, And we never told our boss why, like I never told her why I was going for those walks, but that was something that I found while I was there I could do without having to confide in her and say this is the reason behind it and this is how it's helping me right so yeah find ways like if you're in a situation where you can't be honest with your boss or your boss is a little hostile when it comes to mental illness you may have to lie and that doesn't no, make you a bad person we're not encouraging lying it's not lying no 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 no. <laughs> i'm just gonna blanket we're not encouraging lying what we're saying is find creative ways to take care of yourself mm-hmm. while not um, exposing yourself in the workplace to potentially bad treatment. Um, creativity is a really fun way to say bending the truth. Just. (laughs) (laughs) Um, any final thoughts that you want to share on what it's like to be mentally ill? Mm, It's hard, but you have friends. Also. Plug. Here for you. (laughs) I knew you were going to plug it. My darling sister. Came up with a passion project. It is called Here For You. It does not have an Instagram page. So whoever phony bitch made Whoa. that. Sorry. Um, that person who made Here For You movement or whatever on Instagram. That ain't us. Um, Jam made this program that is essentially um, AA for mental illness and um, women. So... People who've gone through something, people who are going through something. Um, it's a buddy system, allows you to vent or get whatever you want out of it. Um, it's not treatment. It's not a part of your treatment plan. It is not treatment. and it It's is, a pure source for a shoulder to cry on. Yeah, and someone to just literally, you can air your grievances and feel understood. Because somebody somebody else has already gone through it. Yeah. So um, I'm the man behind the mask for that project. You can email here for the numeric for you, just the letter. No. Yeah. What are you talking about? 
The email. The email is contact2jamforyou at gmail.com. Oh, my God. I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, the contact is 2 for you at gmail.com. No, it's contact 2 for you. What did I say? You said the contact is 2 for you. <laughs> okay. What's our contact information? <laughs> our contact information is contact 2 for you at gmail.com. Oh, my fucking gosh. I'll be on the other end, so you're technically contact fuck this is not a good joke i give up white flag we're done we're done here people and marker